So do you have to do you have to change into that to ride your motorcycle? Is that like a thing? Mm, no, but I will say this: bugs and all of that stuff. You don't want and, to get those on your. Well, not really. So, you know, I mean, I throw Which some... Which is why bikers wear them jackets and things. Well, it's also for... I mean, I'm not sure how protective it would be if you actually laid it down, but it would be better to have on a leather coat than bare and arms. jeans than to have bare arms. But so I, I wouldn't have probably worn my jacket would, today anyway. Do you think it'd be worthwhile if we wanted to kind of build our band of brothers, if we kind of all got motorcycles and kind of put a, get a jacket and put something like the coat on the back of it? Well, that is... Um, that's what I do. Well, I tell I just you what. Ride. I tell you what. This yeah. is a bunch of manly men around here, and if we want to do it, we'll do it if our wives will let us. Right. So, what do we need to do? We need to call them. Or, <laughs> I mean, I got mine. So, I mean, <laughs> your right. daddy's got his. I had one. Yeah. He had one, but his wife. So you can ride your grandpa's too. He still got his, or he, he said, does. Yeah. I don't ride nothing no more since I laid mine down on the side of six hundred one. Did I, you get I hurt? Find a different hobby. Well, not too awful bad. Pride more than anything. That's what always goes first. All right, you slipped I, your dripper there. I've been um, slopped. I've been uh, I've been fortunate, thank the Lord, and uh, I just don't get in too big of a hurry. Of course, I don't know if that's good or bad. Anyway, what we've got here is on that side of the room we've got the millennial view, and on this side of the room we got the right view. There you go. I was hoping you would <laughs> describe boomers, that right? Way. Silent yeah. generation, baby boomer. generation X, probably generation X. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, Roland Napoleon. Do you know why his name is Roland Napoleon? I don't, I mean, if you want to tell me. Back up to <laughs> keyed up. And that doesn't sound that. as bad as what it maybe could be. <clears throat> yeah, right. your name could be Easy Target. <laughs> yeah, it could be worse. In the heart of a champion, there is a fire. And the flames are controlled. Welcome to the Code of Man podcast. This is Mike Barnett, your host for today's program. And of course, we're thankful to have you tune in and listen again as we begin part two of the discussion that Easy Target and I started last week on discussing where are the men in the church today? Where are the men in the church? And we are going to reintroduce the topic just kind of bring you back up to speed with where we were, and then we're going to dive in today to talking about solutions to this. How do we encourage men to not only attend church, but to participate in church? Because the disparity is more than just whether they show up, but there's a great disparity between the women who attend, men who attend, and then their level of participation when they do attend. So we want to look at some solutions to that and see if we can find some common ideas and thoughts. When I say we, so it's time to introduce today's panel of experts. Okay, Wisdom. Oh, yeah, that too. Well, I was just going with what our guest pastor uh, yeah. said to the side there. Panel of experts. So let's begin there. All of our, our guests in the studio today have been with us before on the Code of Man podcast. We have, of course, our illustrious 
regular attendee and the one who usually takes our jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Very masculine. It's good to have Easy Target with us today, so Mr. Good Corey to be Cantrell. Here. <laughs> Glad course, to be a part. Also uh, in the studio with us, as you may have heard by this time, uh, we have two previous guests. First of all, back with us is Dr. Dean Roland Napoleon Carmichael, one of our regular Code of Men participants. Dr. Dean, good to have you with us today. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Appreciate and, it. of course, you may remember from some of the earliest episodes of the Code of Man podcast, Pastor Gary Blaylock, who's back with us today. Good to be with you, Pastor. And we certainly wanted to get a panel of experts in on this topic. So uh, we've got men here who are not only interested in being men and godly men, but men who are church men. And I think everybody, every man sitting in this room right now, we are men who are not only committed to Christ and committed to Christ first, but we're committed to his church believe the importance of that, the, the, vi the vital nature of church. So we're going to jump into that today. Let me read something to get us started. And I pulled this as an article off of, and I'll just reference it uh, from Brett McKay and the Art of Manliness website. I pulled this off of there, so I want to give credit to that. But attend a Christian church service anywhere in the world this Sunday. Take a look around, and who's sitting in the seats? What will you see? Almost certainly more women than men. Among the men who are in attendance, you'll probably notice a couple of characteristics. First, many of the men who are there will be present in body only. You won't see them singing, and they'll be paying more attention to their phones than the pastor. Second, you'll observe that the majority of the males adhere to a certain type. White collar, sensitive seeming, and unfit, either very thin or overweight. Fellas, you'd categorize as, quote, nice guys. You'll see only a few men who seem to work with their hands, or who you'd describe as athletic, virile, earthy, tough, or rugged. Pew Research has found that on average, Christian congregants across the world skew about 53% female, 46% male. In the U.S., surveys show a split that's even wider, 61% women to 39% men. So we asked the question last week when we began this discussion, Easy Target and I, where are all the men in the church? Why the disparity in attendance? We want to make sure that we're clear here. We're not describing any particular congregation. We're not describing any particular denomination. And I believe represented in this, this group, which in all fairness, currently we represent two different church congregations. Right. But in our experience... I mean, let, let's just lay it out there. So, Easy Target, you've been a member of how many churches? Three. Dr. Dean, two. two. And I pastored three and attended one seriously uh, for about three or four years when I got saved and okay. God called me to preach. And, and I'm now, this. I'm a member of my fifth church, which largely due to the you know, relocations as a missionary and then as an army chaplain. So... This group, we could say that by and large, the churches we would represent, I think, would be probably not quite the 60-40 representation, and we're probably closer to a 50-50. Yeah, I'd say, you know, I'd say 50-50 as far as the ratio, as far as the percentages go, uh, based on my recollection. Yeah, for me, it was kind of the same, more of a 50-50, kind of a balance with a, a good representation of younger to older. But as far as participation, um, I've seen more from a, a female as far as there's men present, but the ones who are doing more were the women in the church. 
some surveys done by George Barna, the Barna Group. Mm-hmm. So to the point you just made, 57% of the women are more likely to participate in the adult Sunday school program. 56% are more likely to hold a leadership position at a church, not including the role of the pastor. So again, to kind of expand that, when you think about, okay, what is leadership and how's that being defined? Paid positions in the church, even volunteer positions leading a program in the church, 56% of those tend to be filled by women. I was just going to agree that that's been most of my experience is that there's a lot of men in bodies, but a lot of hard time of of getting male involvement to to take the reins. I mean, we had some dedicated men, but uh, we were vastly underwhelmed with with where we needed to be because... So Barna uh, says in the summary of his research that women are the backbone of the Christian church. Hmm. Now, to quote Dr. Phil... How does that make you feel? <laughs> if you just put it in terms that maybe Joe on the street would, would say it this way. Here's a religion, quote, here's a religion that was started by a man, a carpenter, who worked with his hands, and it was founded with 12 other men who were men, manly men. Why is it now dominated across the board by women? We're kind of laying out the problem. What we want to figure out is how to, how to alter this, how to change this. We're, we're diagnosing the problem, and we're going to prescribe some remedy today from this panel of experts. The Apostle Paul was our great expert, right, for our New Testament church. He Absolutely. said, and we used this as our springboard text of discussion last week. He said, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Now, well, <laughs> But we better clarify the King's English here because we may be, you know, hey, there's a lot of men that have quit. Yeah. Well, you quit like a man today means, you know, I ain't putting up with this. I'm quitting. Right. And I think as you, Easy Target, said last week, you brought out the fact that a lot of times when it gets uncomfortable or it gets difficult, that's become the new modus operandi of our day. Yep. Go find a new job. Go find a new marriage. Go find a new church. But when Paul said quit you like men, that word quit It's an old English word that means to carry through, to perform something to the end, to see that it gets accomplished. So Paul is saying, like a man, stand up and lead and see this thing through. So I would say carrying through, that's a big one. One one thing that the leaders now, men in the church now need, is a sense of urgency with lack of men in the church. Churches, pastors, leadership. We don't need to go to one extreme, which is panic. Hey, we need men. We're hurting. We need more leaders in the church. And we get to the point where we're panicking, and now we're desperate, and we're just letting anybody in our church and taking a leadership role. Mm-hmm. A guy's been saved six months. We're already giving him a church, right? right? And then on the other end of it, you have the complacency part. Well, you know, they just don't want to hear the truth. We've been here. We ain't going nowhere. You know, I shall not be moved. But then in the middle there, you have that sense of urgency meaning we need men in the church, but when we get them, we're going to carry them through. We're going to disciple them. Manliness is a journey. When a man submits his heart to the Lord, but we need that spiritual guidance. We need that wisdom of other godly men in our lives to help us, but they need to carry us through. They need to give us that wisdom and pass on what they've learned and make sure we're getting what we need in the Scripture. So one of the biggest things we need right now 
our men in the church who have that knowledge of the Word of God to take other men and make sure that they're carrying them through on their spiritual journey. Drawing from, from experience, you know, you ask the question, why now? You know, what, what, what has changed? Is it a, always been this way? You know, you mentioned last week about the absentee father situation. There's an epidemic, you know, of, of who, you know, just who knows what the numbers say. But I know being raised in, in a situation where I was predominantly influenced by women. I lived with a, a great-grandmother who was very, very dominant. Uh, then with my mother in a, in a you know, separated situation. We're seeing all of that come to fruition. Now, we, that's sort of the why or, or some of the here we are. Um, the only thing that I have trouble understanding or reconciling to myself is, you know, my grandmother was the most influential person in my life, spiritually speaking. And I know that that's carried through into my own life as far as being involved in church and my commitment to church. She was the type that she didn't miss her church to go somewhere else just because the best preacher in town was over here preaching a revival. But mm-hmm. she's st- And so her commitment level was, was awesome. I thought you were going to say, having been raised predominantly by women, how did I turn out to be such a macho man? Well, it's obvious. I mean, you know that. Uh, well, I'm just. I'm glad that you you notice my you know my machoism. Well, it exudes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, to tie the two thoughts together, though, as you're describing that, you're being raised with a dominant grandmother and a mother, and 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 you know you. I think of Timothy right. in the scriptures. Yeah. Well, Timothy's father was absent in whatever manner or fashion we don't know. Probably on a spiritual level, at least. And yet Timothy turned out to be a predominant leader in the early church. Why? Because he had a man, as Dr. Dean, you said, he had a man who stepped into his life and raised him up spiritually and initiated him into that role as a male leader, Mm -hmm. entrusted him with responsibility. And so that's where we bridge the gap that we're facing. Now, an interesting thought that that came up, too, in, in doing some reading on this, an interesting thing raised on the idea of the fatherlessness by Gordon Dalby in book Killing the Masculine Soul. Everywhere there's a fatherless boy, there's a fatherless girl. It's true. So yet we see that women are still in the church, so what's the difference? So I thought it was interesting that he raised that as a, that's often pointed out, and we pointed it as a potential. But I think going deeper with it, Easy Target, was recognizing that we have bred a culture of you know, not sticking with stuff when it gets hard. So fixes. One of the first things you'll hear is that our churches are too feminized. Churches in the Western culture have become more feminized over the last century. You know, certain denominations, I mean, the pastor wears a dress. I mean, I can't argue with that. <laughs> you know, not in our churches, I'll praise make the God. Room floor. We don't want to ostracize our. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me, you know, um, definitely. I mean, you see it. <laughs> if you guys buy me a robe, I'll wear it. it you see it everywhere. I mean, even. I've often like, said that. You, yeah. you mentioned about the decor, even within the church. Now, listen, I'm all about some fresh flowers and greenery and. All of that stuff, I like that. Um, but, you know, the average church is, you know, and again, if you've, you've got pink carpet and lavender carpet and all of that, I mean, I can, there's nothing wrong with that, I don't guess, if that's what you like. But, um, 
it's it's very easy to see when you first walk in. One of the one of places that I really liked. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Brother Leonard Fletcher. When he when they built their church, I mean, you talk about a a rugged. Uh, rough-hewn type. They had a 12-pointer on the wall, didn't they? Well, they didn't have a 12-pointer, but it would have been (laughs) right at home. It would have been right at home on the wall in there. It wasn't sheetrock, certainly wasn't paneling, but it was was, um, was just rough, but it was beautiful. You know, it was a beautiful church. And and so I'm not suggesting that, that every church has to be that way, but I do see your point. I guess my point in that is that you read that everywhere. And there's got to be some measure of truth to that. But let's just go ahead and counter that truth, all right? What does masculine church look like? How do we masculinize our churches? Let me, let me rephrase the question this way. What are men looking for? I think men are looking for a, looking for a challenge, or they're looking for, man, it's so easy to walk into our churches and already have the, the, or the program already lined up in place. You know, we're going to click right on through here and... And I can come in, I can be mindless, I can sit down and I can listen to this nice little sermonette and just move right along, but there's no there's no intensity. You look even like like playing ball, you know, on on your sports teams and stuff. Some of the most impactful coaches I had were had a really good ability to to draw out the urgency, the seriousness. There was there was an intense feeling on that team. And I think our churches are lacking for that. I mean, what more is there to be intense about than the cause of Christ? And I think that there's got to be something in our churches that draws that out, that as soon as a man walks in, he understands, hey, this is this is serious business. This isn't a place to be comfortable and, and casual, but, but man, I, there's something that is calling out to me here. I was thinking about this the other day. I think that there, there's the, the, the hunter side of man's mentality. And then there's also the cultivator side of man's mentality, okay? And so you have to marry those things together. When you get too heavy on either side, it's like Dr. Dean said, there's an extreme, there's an extremist side of that, right? And we don't want, you don't want to get too heavy on either side. Um, uh, I was going to quote Mr. Miyagi. You know, you get in the middle and you get squashed like great. But anyway. That's a good, that's good. That's an you acceptable like that. quotation. Yes. We, you know, you, it's Absolutely. one side or the other. No, that's not the way. There needs to be balance. There needs to be that manliness of, of men. God builds a work around men. God calls a man to pastor a church. That's God's way. God's not, God, that's not man's formula. Mm-hmm. God does that. So I think it starts, God's men, you don't have to be, you may not like hunting. You may not, not, you may not be a fisherman. But there has to be not such— Not everyone can hug a hog like you. Exactly. So my point is— <laughs> My point is, don't, don't is that bad. he'll do that a lot. You, you it, it, there has to be an authority about God's men, and only God can put that on him. The mantle right. from Elijah was passed on to Elisha, and uh, nobody would argue the fact that Elijah was a manly, he was a man of God, and we all know that John the Baptist, he was a man of God. There's that part of man, but there's also you can't exclude. The cultivating, which is the relationship, Moses and Joshua, that intimate relationship that they had with one another. He was one of his ministers, right? And so they were on an intimate level spending time together, and that 
was developed. It was something that God used Moses in Joshua's life to prepare him to be a leader. Spurgeon said, you'll never play lead fiddle till you play second fiddle well. There has to be coaches, teachers. I didn't have a dad that was around. God used teachers and coaches. I had a coach. He was my neighbor up the road. He and me, we were best buddies. He took me mowing. He, I tilled his garden. Without him being active in my life, I, I would not have had that real manly figure in my life. And so you got to have that hunter side, but you also have to have that cultivating side. So one of the things that I think that we need to bring out here, the possibility of helping men get engaged in church, because there are men, and it's hard for, I think, us to wrap our head around, and I don't want to speak for the group, but there are men out there, actually numbers would say a lot, who say, I am a believer, I believe in Jesus Christ, but I don't want to go to church. I don't have any interest in church. So I think one thing to key in on here is to help your church and to help men get involved in your church is learn how to build a tribe mentality. And to me, that's the way that, that you can emphasize that, to build that tribe mentality. So let's go back to the thought. Jesus found him 12 men, and there was a tribe mentality in that, that from there they then grew and discipled and they did the work. So, But just think about the group dynamics of church. What appeals to men versus what appeals to women? Modern church, modern Western church, let's just put it in that demographic, is all about mass gathering, get as many people together as you can to come together and unite and fellowship and, and shake hands and hug and all sing kumbaya. Now, let's be honest, the average man is not drawn to that, but a smaller unit a man can get into. What if, our tri what if our churches were built or focused more on building smaller units that are then connected to the larger purpose? Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you, you got uh, Paul and his missionary journeys, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he had, uh, after Barnabas, and um, they went their, each went their own way, but he had, he had Silas, he had uh, Timothy, he had Dr. Luke by his side. And uh, he would mentioned about Moses and Joshua. Think of, think of Paul and how one of his last requests was having Timothy come to him. You know, he wanted Timothy to come because he wanted to spend that time with him. There was that small tribe. They weren't only just a group, a unit, but they were very close with one another. They were spiritual brothers that helped one another. And here's Paul. He's the one who's discipling Timothy, yet Timothy was a blessing to him. Deep friendship, mm. shared mission that you can build that band of brothers along those lines, or as, as I'm using the term tribe. Iron need, sharpeneth iron, right? Right, yeah. and you need, you know, you need to be, you got to go through some things, and that's where those experiences, whatever they may be, those, those confiding moments, those, those sharing, those opening up, those trail times, but also, and I, I think this is important, we must have... God to meet with us in a way that affects us. And that's that's where, you know, the authority of God's men to preach God's word in power so that the average so-called believer can recognize that God is on that man. 
it resonates into the hearts of men so that even the casual you know attendee is struck and it does resonate in his heart now again all of those activities that we do i mean i really believe that we've got to have some experiences with god and some experiences together that will forge us into that into that close knit group that we desire to have and i think as we look across the board at our at our churches too so much of our relationship building is geared towards that that feminine relationship building you know to to tie back the mass gatherings and all that i enjoy being in a you know in a big crowd of people per se to some degree but you can't really get close to a big crowd of people you can't really you know develop any kind of one-on-one and now i've watched man you you take a group of 20 or 30 women and put them around everybody's sharing their stuff everybody's sharing their stories and it's like there's there's that comfort level i'll leave a sitting like that with my wife and boy my wife will be on cloud nine man this was great it was so good to see everybody i couldn't give you a plug nickel because i couldn't hear a word anybody was saying there was no kind of but that's what it seems like so much of our of our church relationship building opportunities are that way and Men don't operate that way. So what you're saying is that this current social distancing could do wonders for men attending church. That it could. <laughs> Amen. But it's almost like we offer men two extremes because the average man has this fallacy in that he tries to do life alone. Right. You got buddies and friends when you're young. You maybe even have them through your college years or whatever, but then a man gets married, he gets a job, he gets responsibilities, and he begins to just do it on his own. He's got his work buddies. He's got his game buddies. He doesn't have any friends. There's no deep friendship. There's no shared mission. Therefore, there is no tribe mentality. And so the opposite extreme, though, of the isolated loner is the big happy clappy, everybody come together and hug and and uh so what, we, what we're saying, I think, then, is if you want to help men in your church, ha- build a tribe mentality. Build some small bands of brothers inside that larger congregation. A tribe is made up of different families, different war parties. A war party did not include the entire tribe, but a tribe had multiple war parties that were sent out, hunting parties, cultivating farming but they had different parties they they had friday night parties and so it's just a party place but (laughs) and within within those parties to to stay serious uh, here rescuing me within these tribes there is men who are more mature and have that wisdom and can recognize what the other members of the tribe need yes one of the most dangerous things is when you sit in a circle you have immature believers who have the right, they, they want to learn. They have the right motives. They're there. They want to learn about God. They all have their Bible open. They all read a, a certain passage, and, okay, what do you think it means? And they just go around in a circle. That's dangerous. What you need is you need a moderator. You need a Paul. You need somebody who can rightly divide the word of truth, but also recognize where, where are the men in my tribe at with their journey with the Lord. Yeah, this guy's got a full head of gray hair, but he's not mature. He's not, he's not in the same walk with Christ. Pretty much what I'm saying there is, is just, it, yes, have that small tribe, but have that, that maturity level in the tribe. Have a leader. Have somebody who can carry the rest and make sure everyone's getting discipleship. And doing some reading, I, I found out that while the overall 
is the 60-40 basically ratio, that there is a church demographic where that's not true. And it's largely in the Orthodox Church. More specifically, I think the Eastern Orthodox Church. So today, I did a little more research on that topic. I found this article. Now, this is written in 2010. Why do Orthodox men love church? And I tell you, man, this thing, this thing was like a punch between the eyes. He makes reference, write this article, compose this information, emailed 100 Orthodox men because the percentages in the Orthodox Church are higher. A lot more men are not only attending, but they're engaged, they're active, they're leading, they're, they're involved. So 100 Orthodox men, he emails, he asks them, you know, what makes church attractive to them? And their responses he lists in this article. And he highlights the main or the major things that they responded with. And you know what the number one was? Challenge. That was the number one response from these men in the Orthodox Church that they participate in church because they feel challenged. Now, if you remember in last discussion, I told you that when George Barner released his State of the Church for 2020, 26% of the people replied as to why they attend church. Only 26% said they feel challenged. One out of every four sitting in there feel like they're getting challenged when they go to church. Well, if you just translate that into the men, you're going to lose men if they don't feel challenged. But these guys, these guys said... Church is challenging. I'm, I'm using quotations now. Active. It's active and not passive. It's where you're required to adapt to it rather than it adapting to you. The longer you're in it, the more you realize it demands of you. So they're getting something right there when they are appealing to that nature of the masculine soul that says, praise God, in the words of Caleb, I want that mountain right there. And, and they're letting men be men in that aspect. I think everything I hear you talking about keeps coming back to these two things, a challenge and a cause. And if you have a challenge and you have a cause, you're going to get commitment. And when you take away those things from the men, you're going to lose them. I was definitely going to make mention of the fact that the, the more often that we can set up goals as a church, things that we're pressing toward, Things that we want to see God do, just like we do in our individual lives, right? We set up goals for you know ourselves, our children. We teach our children to do that, and um, we do that as families. You know, places that we want to see our family. You know, whether it's finances or whatever. But churches are the same way. Setting up goals where you know we want to see God take us to this place, and 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 every church, you know, important whether it's your missions program. You know, we want to see God really. And plugging those men somewhere into that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the number three response that he got from these guys was goals. They said goals. Men appreciate that that their orthodoxy has a goal. It challenges them to meet something. And listen to this quote by, by a, a priest that replied to this. And he said, men need a challenge, a goal, perhaps an adventure, in primitive terms, a hunt. Western Christianity has lost this aesthetic. That is the athletic aspect of Christian life. Wow. Let that just soak in a minute. You know, I, I tell you, we, we have something around here, Pastor Blaylock, we call Men's Day. And you know what it involves a lot of? Athleticism. Athletic competition. So much so that sometimes we've had to dial it back just a little bit, just a little bit to keep some sanity <laughs> and testimony. <laughs> but I anyway. It. I get it. Well, I'm going to cut right into 
that recording of our Code of Man podcast from this week. And we are going to come back uh, next week and continue this discussion with Pastor Gary Blaylock, Roland Napoleon, easy target and myself, about the missing men in the church and offering some solutions and some perspective on that. I think today what you can walk away from in this discussion is there's an emphasis and a need for strong leadership, strong male leadership in the church if you want to encourage men to not only attend, to participate. And and then uh, forging that tribe mentality would be a great way to do that. Give men that band of brothers that they can become a part of. And then just that equation that's really been developing over this entire discussion, challenge and a cause together will equal some commitment. And so next week we'll come back, talk some more about that. Until then, this is uh, Mike Overtrek Barnett. Thank you so much for listening to The Code of Man. In the heart of a champion, there is a fire. And the flames are controlled by burning design. Uh-huh.